Welcome to We Need to Talk About Tech, where we talk about the past, present, and future of technology. Hello, everyone in podcast land. Welcome to this week's episode. Today is our end of year wrap up. We're going to talk about our predictions from last year. We're going to talk about our favorite products and stories from 2022. And we're going to talk about stuff we're looking forward to in 2023. All right. So going over our predictions from last year, I think our last year's uh, end of year wrap up was episode 71. So for anyone who wants to take a listen, I'll link it in the show notes. But I guess a summary of stuff that I was looking forward to or predicting for 2022, I was looking forward to Google building out their ecosystem, more specifically with their watch. I was looking forward to Apple products. You know, Apple's always coming out with stuff. So I was looking forward to the iMac Pro, a new redesigned Mac Mini, uh, a new Mac Pro, and a new iPad Pros. So the only thing that we really got out of that were the iPad Pros, and they weren't even really that big of an update. It was just a new chip inside, no redesign, nothing like that. Um, I was looking forward to handheld gaming, And I said that there would be a lot more devices and a lot more manufacturers because I don't think Steam Deck had come out. It hadn't come out to the masses yet. But, you know, kind of our talk in that podcast was with the success of the Nintendo Switch and Steam Deck becoming a thing and how much excitement there is around that. There are going to be a lot more manufacturers, a lot more people developing these handheld gaming devices. So that was something I was looking forward to for 2022. And uh, I think specifically you were looking forward to the Steam Deck. Mm-hmm. You had said that it would have been your device of 2021, but it wasn't really out for the masses yet. Yes, there were reviewers and you know some industry insiders that had them, but you wouldn't give it your device of 2021 because not enough people had, and it wasn't really out for the public yet. But um, I guess in terms of my... Predictions, the only thing that really came true was Apple Watch. All the other stuff that I was excited for didn't officially come out yet. It was just a bunch of rumors for 2022. But, I mean, they should come out for 2023. <laughs> so, I guess, from your predictions last year, what, uh, how do you feel you did? Um, I'm, I'm going to say it was definitely a fail for the most part. Uh, but, <laughs> but, I will say this. This year, so... One thing I noticed in that podcast all around, I noticed that Apple Silicon kind of stole the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was one of those things of like, even me as someone who doesn't use Apple products, just the idea of what Apple was doing at the time seemed incredibly cool. And I was even a little bit excited for what might be coming down the pipeline. We knew that there was a an Apple de- event coming relatively soon after that podcast. And we were kind of interested to see what was going to happen. But the one thing that I would have said originally this year is that Apple Silicon was let down, right? This year, simply because of, like, even with our last podcast talking about the M, whatever, M2 Extreme potentially getting canceled or, or delayed or whatnot. But when you think about it, early this year, we actually did get the Mac Studio. And as much as the Mac Studio is, in some ways, in my opinion, a huge failure, um, and in most ways, in my opinion, incredibly overhyped. 
much like most of, of Apple Silicon's devices to the point where we don't really get an idea of what exactly we're getting because of all of the statements. Similar thing also happening with the Steam Deck. Steam Deck. But we did get M2. We did get the, the Studio. We did get the M1 Pro and the M1 Ultra. Like, we got quite a few stuff from Apple Silicon. I think it's just at the point now, and I think we might have even mentioned it on that podcast, where it's not as exciting as it was when the M1 first launched on the scene, scene and, you know, everyone was kind of just shocked by the performance. I think we kind of understand what M1, M2, Apple Silicon means going forward. And, you know, I think it's something we should probably have expected because if you look at something like the iPhone, yeah, we get a chip, a new chip every year. This year, we didn't get a new chip in the base of iPhones, but we did get them in the pros. The increase year over year is not that big anymore. Uh, and Apple has such a huge lead over the rest of the, the market in terms of their chips that they don't really need a huge, huge lead. But also, we're just at the point of like, really, what do you need in your phone or your laptop that uh, that you don't already have right now or you didn't have three years ago? Like, we're just at a point where we've reached the power levels that we need. And maybe it's just a little bit more difficult to get excited about new chips whether it's from Apple or Intel or AMD or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I, I'll overall say that it's probably uh, wasn't the best predictions on my part. That being said, I do think this was still an awesome year. We got cool stuff from Apple, which is what we were hoping for. Uh, and some also some really dumb stuff from Apple, including that new iPad. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we also got new GPUs. We got uh, new processors from Intel and AMD. And I think even on this podcast earlier in the year we talked about how intel kind of really disappointed last year with their processors and completely flipped the script this year so yeah it was just it was just a a, i think a cool year overall in terms of of tech but honestly in my opinion i i my predictions were pretty off i didn't predict as, as much as as what actually happened um and in terms of the steam deck uh I was completely under the impression that that was going to be the greatest product ever. And when reviews came out, they billed it as the greatest product ever. And it's really good. It's a very, very cool device. But I think even on the podcast I mentioned, it's a PC first and foremost. And as someone who's had a Steam Deck for a few months, you know, I pre-ordered it ages and ages ago, close to maybe over a year ago at this point. Um... And, you know, before I even got it, I already made an SD card with Windows on it. I already planned what emulators I was going to run. I ripped some of my favorite games to to run as emulators and had everything set up of what I was going to do. And when I got it, I can tell you those first maybe two to three days, not only was I not happy with the device, I hated it. I was so frustrated with what um, just the fact that nothing was working at the time. Uh, You know, weird problems like, Okay, yeah, I got Windows to work, but the controls weren't working. So I had to get a third-party controller driver that had lag. And then also, you know, uh, having Windows on an SD card meant that Windows, if anything was running in the background, games would just be incredibly slow and unplayable. Things like putting your computer to sleep or putting the Steam Deck to sleep in Windows would just crash the whole system. And in SteamOS, it would potentially just crash your game. And, you know, some games running, including games that I really enjoy, like Resident Evil 3, even though it said that it wasn't supposed to. 
and other games not running at all, including fighting games, most fighting games will just crash. And, you know, that's one of my favorite genres. So the first few days were really, really difficult. And I was absolutely ready to like be done with it and get my money back and just upgrade my PC. But as time went on, uh, the device really started to grow on me. I kind of changed my perspective. And I don't hold any of this against the Steam Deck, by the way. I think this was just my expectations. Kind of same thing with Apple Silicon, overshooting what the reality was. And my expectation was this is a PC first and a console second. And I think the reality of the Steam Deck is it's a console first and a PC second. And I think I've mentioned this to you many times. As a console, I think it's fantastic. If you're going to stick within the Steam ecosystem, if you're going to use games that are are just work with the with Steam OS and are verified, it works fantastically. But the reality is it is capable of so much more, but getting that capability out of the Steam Deck can be frustrating, especially if you're someone like me who loves PC gaming and loves modding and stuff like that. It just makes things way more difficult than it would be on a regular PC. So yeah, it's it's one of those things where, and I think we'll get get to this uh, maybe later on, but I would probably still put the Steam Deck as my favorite tech of this year overall, even though the, my initial days with it were pretty awful. But <laughs> I do want to give you a huge commendation about the handhelds because not only was there a lot of handhelds this year, but I think there was too many handhelds. <laughs> <laughs> with things like the Ioneo Air, Ioneo 2, GPD Win 4, Retroid insanely brought out a new product called the Retroid Pocket 3 and two months later made that product obsolete with the Retroid Pocket 3 Plus. Like they're just coming out at such a ridiculous pace that it's just impossible to keep up and there's just too many devices out there. That being said, a lot of them are very cool. Um, so that's cool to see. And as someone, I think both of us, we really love handhelds. We love seeing more of them. But yeah, uh, you're 100% right on that one. And yeah, maybe we got too many handhelds this year. Yeah. Maybe a few too many. <laughs> um, I guess perfect segue. Your favorite product of the year, Steam Deck. Do you have any other honorable mentions for your favorite products of the year? Um, so there's there's a couple of things that I just think were really really cool. Um. The framework laptop, right? This year we got the upgradable board, something that they promised that I was always really skeptical of, mm-hmm. and they they came through on that. They they absolutely released a brand new 12th gen board that you could just drop in and place in your framework laptop, as well as hey, people were complaining that the screen was too wobbly. Here's a new hinge. Uh, we got a more rigid chassis if you want it. Like just them being able to do that for me was just incredibly amazing. I also, as much as this is not my favorite product, I also want to give a shout out to the MacBook Air. I think it's a cool device. Finally changing the design. That was cool. The Pixel 6a, uh, kind of just really impressive device overall, especially for for the price. Um, so yeah, I, I think overall Steam Deck is still my winner, but I definitely want to give a shout out to things like the the Pixel 6a, and also, uh, I feel kind of conflicted about shouting this out, but the Nothing Phone. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a cool phone, and it actually came out. We, we didn't know if it was actually going to be real. It came out, and people have it, specifically in Europe. Uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, overall, 100%, still Steam Deck. Issues and all, I, I still think it's, it's really cool, and value at this point still can't be beat. 
how about you? What's uh, either something from from this year that you, you kind of felt was unexpected or or you know might be your favorite overall going forward? Uh, for my favorite products, I would say I put the Steam Deck up there. You know, honorable mention. It, the fact that it did come out and I think it really kind of led the whole handheld ecosystem. I mean, Nintendo Switch obviously the first big one. Yeah. But after Nintendo Switch it was like, all right, Steam Deck kind of dip their toe in the water it's like hey are people interested in handhelds that aren't nintendo oh yeah people are all right everyone else let's go um so yeah steam deck honorable mention the pixel 6a pixel 7 just you know pixels in general i think they really showed that the 6 it was a good entry into the new premium lineup of google phones and i think the 7 really continued that and they made enough changes they made things different enough that it was like all right yes this is a good successor mm-hmm. it seems like google is going a solid direction with this um but pixel 6a because you know gotta love budget phones gotta love mid-range stuff yeah and i think it was also like yes this was clearly the same design language as the six as the seven it was toned down enough that it was a budget phone a mid-range phone but it still gave you enough it still offered you enough the nothing phone one i have mentioned because yeah it was we got the phone right (laughs) there was a lot of speculation as to whether or not it was coming out whether or not they were just gonna stick with earbuds or what the plan was with the company and we got the nothing phone one and it was a very different phone i mean it looked like an iphone 12 but very different with the glyph interface and you know the the operating system that was on it and there's supposed to be a version coming to north america i think right now it's just in like uh the uk uh in the european union i think possibly in asia too Mm -hmm. but there's supposed to be a north american version coming so we'll probably see more news about that in 2023 and i also mentioned i mentioned the mac studio the m2 macbook air simply because i mean they're new apple products yeah just like you, I'm glad that they redesigned the MacBook Air. I think the M1 MacBook Air was a great device. But my only thing was, my only hope was that, like, hey, you have a new, you have a new direction for your company. You guys are going with Apple Silicon now. You should redesign your laptops, your computers around Apple Silicon. Because you just recycled the MacBook Air design, the MacBook Pro design. It was a recycled design for Intel processors, and they didn't even work well for Intel processors. Yeah. So the fact that they just, okay, we're going to stick this M1 chip in your old chassis, in your old design, it was a little bit lazy for me. But the fact that they did redesign the M2 MacBook Air, and I think it was a great design, minus the notch, I think it was a great design. I'm kind of sad that they didn't do the same thing for the MacBook Pro, but I mean, we got the 14 and we got the 16 inch. The Mac Studio, the fact that it is a new design and it is very much the Mac Mini, which is a design that I like, just a little bit bigger. I mean, essentially double the size. I like the form factor. I don't like that it isn't modular. I don't like, you know, some of the decisions that they made, but the fact that a device like that exists and that it came out from Apple, I'm happy with it, mm-hmm. and I'm looking forward to see what they do with that form factor in the future. You know, for the M2 chip, I could definitely see them for the M2 versions making them more modular because 
there's a lot of things like USB ports, like the SD cards or like the S like the SSD slot. There's a lot of things on the original Mac Studio that are modular. It just seems to be locked behind Apple's, you know, device locking software. So maybe with the M2 versions, they actually allow them to be more modular. But like I said, I like the form factor and that it came out. My favorite product of the year, and this is a very biased, a very biased opinion. I'm not going to say it's the best product, but my personal favorite is the iPad Air with M1. Mm. Personally, I have one. I use it all the time. I find it very useful. When the iPad fourth generation came out, I thought it was a great device. You know, the form factor was great. It wasn't a massive 13-inch screen, but it was still a very usable 10.9, 11-inch screen. And because of the form factor, you could use the Apple Pencil Gen 2. You could use a Magic Keyboard. Any, pretty much anything you could use for the iPad Pro, the smaller one, you could use for this device. And then when the fifth generation came out and they gave it the M1 processor, I was like, well, yeah, no brainer. It's essentially an iPad Pro, 11 inch, just I'm not paying extra for the LiDAR sensor. I'm not paying extra for that extra camera that I'm never going to use. And I lose it on promotion, but not the end of the world. And I use it all the time. Very happy with my decision. The fact that I would say the M1 version over... The A14 version, the fourth generation is, well, yes, processing power is a lot better, but on a iPad, you're never really going to get the full power of an M1, mm-hmm. right? It's, if you, especially if you think this chip is powering laptops, it's powering desktop computers, you're never going to get the full power on an iPad because of iPad OS, because it's limited. But Apple has shown that Apple Silicon is the future. They've shown that their M series processors are the future. So for all of the new cutting edge software features or whatever they come out with, it's coming to M1 devices. So when you look at something like DaVinci Resolve, which is coming to iPads, those are coming to their M1 and M2 devices. Mm -hmm. When you look at something like Stage Manager, and it's not the most revolutionary thing, but it is very useful. At least I'm I'm finding it more and more useful the more I use it. That is coming to their M1 products in the future. So am I going to get the full potential of M1? No, definitely not. But sort of in the way that Tesla just throws all of this hardware, all of this, this capability into their computers on their cars. And then it's like, all right, down the line, we know that we can push out this software update because our 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 computers are so powerful in these cars. Mm-hmm. It's the same sort of thing with M1 on an iPad. These chips are so powerful. We're never going to tap the full potential of them running iPad OS, but it means pushing out features in the future is going to be so much easier because we have so much headroom to work with. So my favorite product, like I said, biased. I use my iPad a ton all the time. My favorite product is the iPad Air with M1. It's quite a poem. <laughs> <laughs> Biggest stories now mm-hmm. of 2022. Now, you know, we were just reviewing some of the stories we talked about. The Microsoft buy-in Activision Blizzard happened at the beginning of the year. I mean, it's been going on for so long, I completely forgot we're in the same year. Yeah. But 
I mean, recent update to that. We talked about it in one of our recent podcasts. The FTC is suing to stop the deal from going through. I don't, I don't think they're suing to block it. So it could still go through and then they could reverse it after the fact. But that's still a big deal. The whole Elon Musk deciding to buy Twitter and then not wanting to buy Twitter and then being forced to buy Twitter and then owning Twitter and then, you know, everything for the past month we've been talking about. Seems like every episode that started this year, the crash of NFTs and crypto, I mean, for the pat for since the podcast has been around, we've been talking about NFTs and the, the price and the rise and how crazy cryptocurrencies are going. And this past year, it's all come crashing down. Essentially, I mean, it's not completely bottomed out, but considering how high, how big the bubble was before, when you look at things like you know crypto punks and all that, it's definitely crashed. Yeah, and you know, tied to that. Sam Bankman-Fried and the whole FTX scandal, you know, him getting arrested now and being extradited from the Bahamas to the U.S. to stand trial. Those are definitely some of the bigger stories of 2022, in my opinion. But I guess what are your thoughts on the biggest stories of 2022? Yeah, I think those those are those are key, right? The the Activision Blizzard, to me, is the, the biggest um that we've seen in, in ages. And, and I think the, the EU and, and FTC are kind of responding in kind of like, yeah, this is too big. <laughs> this is too, too huge of a, of an idea to actually be able to go through. Uh, but you know, a few others I want to throw in there, obviously the, the topic from our last podcast of, you know, using CRISPR and, and base editing and gene editing to potentially cure cancer going forward. Huge, like, doesn't really get much bigger than that the potential that maybe nuclear fusion could one day i'm still very skeptical on that just because i've had been so hopeful for that when i was a kid and it just never <laughs> amounted to anything obviously mm-hmm. nuclear fusion is very difficult um but uh especially like man-made nuclear fusion but the idea that there could be another step forward to that actually becoming a thing is huge uh that's that's a huge story for me and then i also want to throw out there a weird one that at the time, I, I really loved this story. And then I saw a lot of people kind of uh, showing how dystopian it might be in terms of how the city was being built. But that was the line, the mm-hmm. you know, the flagship city uh, being built as just this one strip, this one giant strip, almost like a, I think you mentioned it, like a, a skyscraper, but built on its side. And, you know, no need for cars. There's going to be a rail that goes from one end to the other. And... I still think it's incredibly cool, but I have to be honest, there's been a lot of people and, you know, architects and, and you know, city planners and stuff like that who have done videos on YouTube talking about it, talking about like, you know what, this actually isn't great. Like what happens if there's an issue? How do people get out? Um, do you have to go all the way to the other end uh, if there's something like a flooding or, or something like that? It could be almost like uh, a disaster in terms of people being trapped uh, almost in this in the structure that being said sounds like the perfect script for a horror movie 100 percent, honestly but even then i i'm always i think i've always been a bit of an optimist so i i, I still think the whole concept of it is super cool uh and like just the idea of a city without cars as someone who doesn't like driving fantastic <laughs> but then um 
Uh, also, you know, I, I think one of the things that I've made in the past predictions about, you know, electric cars kind of taking over, it's happening. I feel like it's happening fast and slow at the same time, where it's like there's so many electric cars coming out that I feel like there's more options, obviously, than we've ever had in the past in terms of big car manufacturers making really cool and fantastic choices for electric cars. It's not just Tesla. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, we talked about in this year about, you know, Tesla even being dethroned uh, in a lot of ways as as a, an electric car. But uh, I think we're still working on a lot of issues in terms of manufacturing for electric cars. And maybe this is just tied to, you know, global events and, you know, obviously the pandemic and stuff like that and the chip shortage, everything combining to slow down the progress. But electric cars, I think, are still... I think there's more demand than supply right now for electric cars. And uh, I don't know if that's something that that's going to get fixed in 2023. To segue to our next topic, what are you looking forward to next year? Or I guess, what do you predict for 2023? Uh, So I'm not going to predict this because I don't necessarily know if I, if I, if I think this is going to happen or even if I want to happen in 2023, but we talked about how much I enjoy the steam deck. We talked about how many handhelds there are out there. Two things. One, you had a fantastic review of the steam deck. And one of the comments that stuck out for me was the, the steam controllers and the controls on the steam deck of how configurable they are and how accessible they are. Uh, and the idea that this can be somehow turned into a steam controller too, based on the controls of the steam deck. And it's funny. I I talked about briefly in one of the podcasts, uh, a small game that came out a while ago called hazelnut hex. It's like a vertical shooter or sorry, a horizontal shooter that's available on PC and the switch. And I picked it up on the switch. Uh, this past week it was on sale. Uh, Shout out if anyone wants to pick up a a cool, you know, uh, shooter out there. Uh, it's on sale right now. I think less than $3 us right now. And like just over $3 Canadian. It's a really cool, fun game. But one thing I noticed is that controlling it on the Switch was a lot less fun than controlling it on the Steam Deck in terms of the joysticks and, and just how easy the Steam Deck is to use and how fantastic the controls are all, all around. The sticks are great. The buttons feel great. And it's just really, really ergonomic. And I still love playing the game on the Switch. Like, I, I play it on both whatever's closer to me i'll just pick it up and start playing the game but i don't think it can be understated how cool the steam decks controls are and i'm kind of curious to get your opinion on them because i know you've got some time with it as well of how you feel about the the steam decks controls compared to like something like the playstation 5 controller or even an xbox controller but yeah seeing them make a controller they've even talked about how they want to do that uh this past year i think would be cool i think that would be the best controller out if they're able to kind of emulate the Steam Dex controls and a, just a dedicated controller. But then on the same vein of the handhelds, the Switch Pro. Uh, I hope, I don't even know. I, 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 would, I wouldn't be surprised if it came out next year. We haven't heard anything about it yet, uh, but the Switch is just such a cool console. It's just such a cool device. And as much as I would much rather see a Steam, uh, Switch price drop and maybe get a a switch pro in 2024 uh maybe like march 2024 so like early 2024 the idea of what nintendo might do with the next iteration of a switch 
whether it's improve the Joy-Cons, which I think definitely need to be improved, you know, bringing in an OLED screen from the beginning, uh, but also just the creative things that they do, whether it's a game that comes out that, you know, like um, like One Two Switch or even better examples of that that came out with the Switch that were just really cool, uh, like Breath of the Wild and stuff like that. What they can do with like some new hardware, but then also you know Nintendo's just always so creative. They always come up with something that you didn't know what you wanted or you needed. And like you mentioned, handhelds are as popular right now because of the Switch. The Switch took the world by storm when it came out uh, over five years ago now, and I don't that momentum hasn't slowed down. Like there's a reason why it hasn't dropped in price. And just to see them repeat that if they can. I mean, would just be incredibly cool. And also, you know, tech-wise, seeing what, if they decide to stick with NVIDIA or if they go with AMD or even if they go with Qualcomm, what kind of cool features they can build into that chip in terms of upscaling, um, AI upscaling and stuff like that to just make the whole docking and undocking process even better. Because despite the fact that the Switch is the oldest handheld that we've talked about on this podcast, it is still the best when it comes to docking and undocking. There's nothing that compares to it mm-hmm. right now. So yeah, uh, I think those would be my two, a Steam controller coming next year and potentially a Switch Pro. But uh, how about you? Uh, I got a bit of a longer list. Mm. So games I'm looking forward to, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, the last Star Wars game, I think it was Fallen Order. Huge fan, love the game. Uh, so the second, or I guess the sequel to that, it's coming out in March, I believe. Looking forward to that a lot. Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, I think that's coming out in June. Also looking forward to that. Two games I'm really looking forward to. VR headsets coming out also. Yeah. Something I'm looking forward to. You know, the PSVR 2 is coming out. I think it's supposed to be February that's supposed to come out. We know Meta's coming out with their Quest 3. Apple is supposed to be coming out with a headset. I don't think it's going to happen next year. And Valve. You know, I don't think they've announced an update to their index. I don't think they've said that they're coming out with something. But, I mean, they have a successful headset out right now. So I'm looking forward to headsets coming out in 2023. But I'm looking forward to competition from the headsets coming out. Yeah. I think, you know, as I said last year, I think there's going to be a lot of handhelds. I think with there being so many headsets on the market... I think so many competing headsets. I think we're going to see, I mean, we're definitely going to see a lot more VR games, but I think it's going to be a lot more mainstream than, let's say, when the Meta Quest 2 came out or when the PSVR 1 came out. I think VR headsets are becoming a lot more popular, a lot more mainstream. I think we're going to see a lot more games coming out in VR or at least with an option to play on a VR headset. Mm Mm-hmm. I also am looking forward to more EV competition. You know, as as you said, there seems to be a lot of EVs coming out, more choices than ever. I mean, the market is developing. And I think that supply will meet demand next year. If you if you know if we're looking at this past year, if there's so much demand and there if there aren't enough EVs to go around because of multi, a multitude of issues, I think next year we're gonna see a lot more EVs on the road. And it's going to become a lot closer to 50% of the vehicles we see on the road. I'm not saying we're going to get to that. Mm-hmm. But I think by the end of the year, we're going to be seeing a lot more EVs on the road. And the supply is going to meet the demand a lot more. 
And I'm also, I, I'm looking forward to and I'm predicting. And it's, I mean, it's not that crazy of a prediction because it's already started to happen, right? More repairable products in 2023. When we look at the Steam Deck, you know, when that launched, they had a whole teardown video. You can buy replacement parts, whether it's replacement parts for the model that you bought, or if you're trying to upgrade to higher quality parts, you can do that through Steam Deck and through their website and through iFixit. You know, PlayStation just came out with their, essentially their pro controller, the PlayStation Edge, and you could swap the buttons on it. You can swap the triggers on it. You can swap out the tops of the joysticks if you want more of like a rounded dome instead of the regular dome on it. You can even swap out the entire joystick unit. So maybe if you're, have, if you're experiencing joystick drift, you can swap out the entire unit and that's something that's like built into the PlayStation controller. And not to mention framework, right? As you mentioned, they released the Gen 2 of their motherboard. You could upgrade that. I'm sure at this year, you know, I'm sure this year they're going to release another update for that. So you're going to have three generations of motherboards you can choose from. Hopefully, I mean, they haven't said it's guaranteed, but hopefully there's an AMD version to the framework laptop to make it even that much more modular, give you that much more choice when you're deciding, you know, what kind of laptop you want to build or what kind of laptop you want to buy. And, you know, something you brought up before, you know, we didn't talk about it on a podcast yet, but Dell's Concept Luna, which is essentially a framework laptop. Yeah. Dell has their concept version of a framework laptop with no screws. Um, you know, I think they have a video of it being taken apart in 30 seconds. Now it's a concept. It's not being mass produced. It's not even been announced to come to the market yet. But the fact that they have a concept that they're showing off, this wouldn't exist without framework. Yeah. Right. So last year there was a lot of or I guess two years ago, there was a lot of talk of the right to repair and their bills being passed in the U.S. Congress. And this year, we haven't heard as much about it. There haven't been as many headlines, I feel, but we're seeing a lot more companies implementing repairability into their devices, whether it be from, you know, as they're as they're marketing the device before it comes out or after the fact, once it comes out, they're saying that, hey, no, you can replace this part. You can swap this part. So I think that 2023, it's going to continue. We're going to see even more repairability from even more devices moving into the future and even more manufacturers. I, I think that's a fantastic point because uh, I, I guess it's just doubles down why I still think the Steam Deck is fantastic is because we talked about... Uh, on a previous podcast that I, I thought the, the Steam Deck could even go a little bit further in terms of repairability. And right after that podcast, some uh, leads of the Steam Deck project were at an interview with The Verge, and they talked about, hey, we do want to double down on making the Steam Deck repairable, including, you know, we don't really care about this thing being more powerful. It doesn't really need to be. Uh, but we want to make it, A, more repairable, um, and B, the, the, one of the things that they pointed out was, we want to make the battery easier to swap, which is one of the hardest things to do because it's glued down. Uh, and yeah, you can get all these parts, you know, easily from from iFixit, hopefully even more easy if, if there's more supply. But yeah, I think more companies, including a company like Dell, which is pretty nuts, right? Like they, they make machines that can be incredibly difficult to repair uh, right now in terms of the XPS line where a lot of them have soldered on storage or even soldered on uh, RAM. But for them to say, hey, we designed this concept machine that A, can be 
torn down in 30 seconds, but B also doesn't have any screws. It's like, a, if anyone hasn't seen the concept, essentially what there is is there's this little push pin, almost like a SIM card removal uh, pin that you push into the side of the laptop and then you can just lift up the keyboard. And then when you lift up the keyboard, all your internals are there, no screws, there's just clips, you unclip them and you can take the parts out. And that's just really cool. I don't know if that's necessarily, or that if that's necessary, uh, screws are great as long as they're not like <laughs> proprietary uh, and potentially even more durable than maybe some plastic clips that they might be using. But the idea that Dell could be taking repairability seriously and going beyond that and even thinking of even easier ways for people to repair machines, whether or not that comes out to a, to a physical product remains to be seen, but it's still cool nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, I guess, do you have one bold prediction for 2023? Bold hmm. prediction, bold prediction. I'll go first. My bold prediction, Macs, Mac Pro is going to come out hmm. fully modular. You can swap out the GPU, can swap out the SSD, you can swap in and out the RAM that you want, and you can swap out the processor. So... You could put a, anything from an M1 Pro to an M1 Max to an M1 Ultra, Ooh. and you can swap that out independently of the GPU and the RAM that you want. Oh, wow. That's my bold prediction. That is a bold prediction. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, in that vein, then, I predict that we will see a Valve-based Steam PC make a resurgence. So we have the Steam Deck. We have... Actually, you know what? Scratch that. Scratch that. Throw that away. My bold prediction yeah. is that in gaming PCs, we are going to see more and more ship with SteamOS. Uh, well, first, we're going to see others other than Valve ship with SteamOS. But I think we're going to start to see SteamOS be a very real competitor two windows for gaming and a lot of these handhelds that are coming out all of them are running windows now i predict that the ones that are coming out next year are going to be running steam os and we're probably even going to start seeing desktops and laptops that are gaming oriented ship with steam os i think that's bold I, I don't think that's necessarily a guaranteed thing to happen but i think that would be a huge shakeup for microsoft's kind of almost monopoly on pc gaming that if Valve can say we have built an OS for gaming that uh, the vast market just adopts, which would be insane. Wow, that is very bold. I, for the record, I definitely don't think mine's going to happen. I'd say it's like <laughs> a 5% chance mine does happen, but yeah. I guess the, take it easy, everyone in podcast land. Catch you in the next year, I guess. Next episode next year. 